You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and we have another talented Hudson Valley musician with us on today's show, Stephen Michael Pegg. Stephen, welcome to The Rick Z Show. Thanks, Rick. Great to be here. It's great to finally get you on the show. You know, a lot of musicians, they start off somewhere in their past, you know, when they're young with a guitar that caught their interest or a certain song on the radio or maybe an older person that played music. What first did it for you where you said to yourself, ah, this is something I should be doing. This is something I want. I listened to music a lot. I watched and listened. Uh, it was Ed Sullivan or whatever. We saw music and, and, and music on the radio. But when I was 12 years old, there was this uh, guy who was walking around the neighborhood. You know, he had a leather jacket. He had a cool-looking hat, and he had a guitar case, and he was knocking on doors. I found this out because he knocked on our door, and he asked if he could come in, show me some, sing some songs for me. And I asked my dad, who was working up on the roof, and he said, yeah, that's okay. And, and uh, he came in, and he sat down, pulled this guitar out, and started picking and singing, and I was just... Uh, kind of enamored of this. And I don't remember exactly what it was, of course, but he said something like, hey, uh, you know, you could play like this. I could show you how. If you sign up for these music lessons at Portsmouth Music. <laughs> <laughs> and the plot emerges. It was the guy any good? Oh, I think so. I mean, as far as I remember, he, he fascinated me anyway as a 12-year-old. And I signed up for lessons, or actually I went and asked my dad, and there's a song about this, which I'll do at another time, not today, because I'm not really ready for it. I wrote a little story song having to do with this and other things. But the guy, you know, I signed, uh, my, I talked my dad into it, and he signed me up with the promise that I wouldn't quit. You know, the lessons came packaged. You get a guitar, you get a book. And you get eight lessons or whatever it was, 12 lessons, and you paid for the whole thing. So my parents did that, and I went to one lesson, and I quit. That's it, one lesson. What didn't you hold your interest about? Well, as far as I can remember, it was just kind of like these, uh, when I got there, that guy wasn't there. And it was another person and uh, something about and there were several people sitting in chairs with their guitars. So it was a multi-person class, you know, the teacher, one teacher, maybe eight or so students. And it was like, OK, everybody play an E. Dung. Everybody play an A note, not a chord. Bling, you know, so. And it went like that, and I left there like very disappointed and uh, told my dad I wasn't going to go back. Of course, he was very disappointed, too. But I had the book, and uh, after, you know, I kept uh, putzing with it and trying to mess around and learn the chords. It was Mel Bay, basic instruction book, and I fingered my way into learning how to play a C, a G, and a D, or in a couple of chords, an F was killing me. It messed with me so hard to play a bar chord F so hard. I, I remember many times just throwing my guitar down on the bed or going like, ah, you know, or like kind of want to throw it out the window. But I, per I persisted and I taught myself enough chords and started learning Peter, Paul and Mary songs, Bob Dylan songs and, you know, standing in front of the mirror playing my guitar with a, a harmonica rack that I made out of a coat hanger so I could look like Bob Dylan, you know. I think back in those days, it was very common to take lessons in a class setting and not a one-on-one -on -one thing. And I think that was frustrating uh, for a lot of people. My dad took lessons that way. And he said, by the time 45 minutes 
went by, which was pretty much the duration of the class, the teacher had everybody tuned up, and that's about it. You maybe had five minutes to do the lesson, and then they threw the guitar in the closet, and sometime after, I found it, and that's how I got started. So, huh. you know, you know uh, yeah. it's interesting, that story. It, it kind of struck a chord. Now, how old were you at that time? Well, 12 when I started, and by the time I was, say, uh, 14, I could play songs, and I had been singing since I was a little boy because of the church choir. And my mom and dad always sang. Uh, we sang in the car when we went on trips. We sang when we went camping, you know, when uh, two brothers and a sister. And we, you know, it was a kind of a singing family, not so much listening to the radio, but just, you know, and it was those songs like I've Been Working on the Railroad or Down by the Old Mill Stream, things like that. I don't know that you know those songs, but... I know those songs. Yes. Those classic American folk standards, really. Yeah. So uh, so I had this kind of a vocal training just being around in it. And my mom messed around with the piano a little bit. She had a piano that she never pursued. And I always had a piano. I grew up with a piano in my bedroom with two other brothers in the bedroom, too. But the piano was there. And sometimes I would just find it in the night when I woke up to go to the bathroom, like, oh, that's the piano, not the door. But then I would find uh, my way sitting there in the daytimes just messing around. And I took piano lessons, but I quit those two. And that was another, that's a whole other story. Do you still play piano? I play some. I'm not really well-versed on the piano, but I love to play piano. So where was all this taking place, the three brothers and the piano and taking lessons, and where were you? This is Virginia in uh, the little town called Portsmouth, Virginia, where there's a big Norfolk Naval shipyard is in Portsmouth. And, uh, you know, it's called the Tidewater area, very near Virginia Beach. So you're a southern boy. Yeah, roots. How did you make your way all the way up here to New York? Was it that New York mystique that this is where musicians need to be? No, not really. It was, uh, for me, um, well, you know, yeah, really the first, uh, the first excursions to New York City were, uh, connected with that group that you, uh, uh, you had a fellow in here on an interview, Benjamin Herndon. Well, we met up. Uh, joined into a group called the Ox Pedals, and that was what took me to New York, following that music into New York City. just want to get your take on something. Benjamin Herndon was here, and we spoke about the Ox Pedals. Uh, what happened, uh, to the best of your estimation, with the Ox Pedals? I mean, it seems like they had so much promise. They were going somewhere, but then at the last minute, they just kind of fell apart. I know that guy from Mercury left, and, and that kind of threw things off or something like that but why didn't you guys stay together well you know that's a long story you know we were talking about from 19 for me 1967 to 71 when i was involved in the group we were very involved we all lived together and uh, we spent an enormous amount of time practicing and not a lot of time playing which I guess is normal for musicians. We did have the opportunity to play out and had some some great gigs with Traffic and Joe Cocker and all these different people, but they were like one-shot gigs, so we weren't on tour with them. We just happened to be placed, you know, for these uh, uh, where bands couldn't, where they couldn't fill the bill somewhere. So 
But um, a lot of playing, a lot of working together. I think we probably, you know, like a family that lives together, we probably drove our drove each other a little bit crazy. But it was mostly the politics and the business that caused it to to change and go downhill. And really, you know, I heard the interview that you did with Benjamin. He told you about the the changes in the company and then his his feelings about how when our producer wanted all the other guys in the band to start contributing to the album and it was we all really did get there because of his music and that's what bought us the contract or that's what got us in the door so it was disenchanting for him but we were we were kind of pissed when he took off all of a sudden in the middle of things uh after the first album came out but you know we all continued to stay in touch and be together in different ways over the years after that you know steven you've been playing music a long time now what age were you when you came up here to new york well, let's see, that would be, uh, say, I said 67, so 68, 1968, that would have made me 21 that year. Started and, to play music right away? Up, up here in New York, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were playing. Uh, the, there were little gigs in uh, coffee house, the coffee house scene. We are playing like uh, and rehearsing at the Bitter End. We played at the... Um, at the Gaslight back in the day, the famous Gaslight Cafe in the little basement on McDougal Street. Sure, where Dylan played. Yeah, and, and lots and lots of people. Yeah. When, when we played there, it was kind of, uh, you know, a couple different times we played there. We played uh, with Mose Allison. Oh, I can't remember who else. But, you know, playing those little rooms uh, in a uh, couple years later, we ended up at Dr. Generosity's up on um, 71st Street, 2nd Avenue. It was a really uh, hot little club up there that was a lot of musicians played there. Craig probably played there as well, who you interviewed. Craig Pate and lots of people we crossed cross paths with. Richie Havens was there. He used to come and sit in with the band. So we were just in the stomping around the New York scene. We connected with the right people who saw us in these clubs and uh, thereby got these demo sessions with record labels and eventually got signed to Mercury Records because of our connection with Nat Weiss, who is a famous music business lawyer. So, yeah. You know what I'd love to do right now before we go any further is hear a little Stephen Pegg music. Do you mind playing something for us? Uh, maybe something live? No, I don't mind at all. Let me just get my guitar and get ready. Great. I thought about this song before coming over. I was thinking about it today when I, like, what tunes would I play? And this one because it's uh, it's summertime and uh, it's a you know simple simple song. I write a lot of different kinds of songs. It's a simple down to earth kind of a song. It's called Little Bird. It goes like this. It's a sunny morning and the wind blows free I know what I hear, I see There's a little bird up in the trees Singing to the day He's saying How long has it been? Uh... 
best I've ever seen Hey, how long has it been? I don't know since I've seen that river flow And rolling down to meet that ocean Where I long to be It's a sunny morning and the wind blows free I know what I hear I see There's a little bird up in the tree Stephen, wonderful song, really nice. That was fun. That was a fun summer song. I like. I love that riff. And you're a good whistler. That didn't sound easy to do, whistling like that. Is that, <laughs> is that hard to do? Well, it can be challenging. And over the years, I've had times singing that song where I just couldn't pucker up a whistle, you know. <laughs> but uh, did okay today. That's great. I. I respect anyone that can whistle to any degree because I can't do it at all. So let me ask you something, Stephen. You play out a lot, and what do you play as? Do you play a Stephen Pegg, Stephen Michael Pegg, the, the Stephen Pegg group? Is is there something that you call it? Well, for the most part, I think it's Stephen Michael Pegg. It could be, you know, usually it's Stephen Michael Pegg, and if it's with friends or with an ensemble, various names, you know, with bands. When I was in the Ox Pedals, it was the Ox Pedals. So nobody's name was presented there. Then I had another band in Virginia. After post-Ox Pedal breakup, I had a band called Spaceship, which actually had all the members of the Ox Pedals in it except one. You know, so different. That was called Spaceship, so that didn't have it. But otherwise, after that, mm -hmm, there was another band called the Winged Heart Band. Then after I went away to Boston and came back, it became Stephen Michael Pegg and the Winged Heart Band. So, you know, ever since then, which is 1980, I used my name in the context. And you made a bunch of albums. You brought some cool-looking LPs here, the Ox Pedals album, and then you got one of your own you brought that looks great from 1980. Tell me about that album. Well, that's called Watch the Ocean Roll. It was a long time coming, and I think all of my, all the things were a long time coming. The Ox Pedals had songs on it that were already, you know, three, four years old on it by the time we got there, and some new ones. The one that I did, that was 1970. I didn't record again until 1980 with this LP called Watch the Ocean Roll. And then there was, uh, you know, so, and that had songs from over a few years, compiling from uh, several years. Uh, and then I didn't record again until I record um, recorded another CD at the Clubhouse Studios in uh, Germantown when they were there. And uh, that one, to, you know, I, and I had some new things and I had old. And all my stuff is that way. But that was 13 years again. So the spaces between recordings have been large. And how come? Why, why wait so long between recordings? Well, I think that, I don't know, I'm... I've never been a, um, I never pushed really hard to do that. You know, part of the reason, I guess I had designs on trying to be somebody in the music business, but I took my time and did other things and traveled and traveled around the country, traveled around the world a bit and uh, just didn't, uh, you know, so this, the, the time just happened. Do you have a lot of songs? I have a lot of songs. I really don't know how many, if I listed them, how many there are. I never really counted them up. 
I've come out to see you play before, and I forget, I, I think Benjamin was in the band at the time, you, and I think there was a drummer. Is it always different guys, always the same guys? Do you draw on a, a stock group of guys that play with the Steve and Michael Pegg project? Yeah, it's different. It's different. In the Hudson Valley, a lot of times, uh, Benjamin's been involved, Benjamin Herndon's been involved as bass player, and um, other players too, and then I've had my friends from the, the band before coming up here called the Winged Heart Band. Whenever they used to travel up here, that would be an ensemble to be built on a trio, but we would add to that. Sometimes it was a quintet. Gathering musicians together, not being a regular performer, it affords me the opportunity or puts me in that position where I have to gather up a team, you know, for, yeah. for a few gigs or a special event or something like that. You know, I'm just spitballing here, but when I've heard you play, I get this distinct, I'll call it a, a an island vibe to your music. Not necessarily reggae or ska, although those things at times, but some kind of island vibe, some kind of vibe that... Reminds me of the West Indies or, or the Virgin Islands or the Bahamas or something like that. Am I wrong about that? And and if I'm correct, where does that come from? Well, I think really it comes from influences having to do with spending time in Key West, Florida in the early 70s, 71, 72, and in Florida a little bit. Uh, I went to the Bahamas in 73, but that was only like a two-day thing, so I wasn't affected by it. I was interested in the Bahamian stuff. There was a, you know, some of those uh, Calypso singers. Uh, not Cal yeah, Calypso. I, I guess that's what it's called. There was a famous artist named uh, Mighty Sparrow from down there who I uh, used to do a couple of his songs. You know, it's that stuff like You know, and they're really like almost uh, kind of stock tunes with lots and lots of words. So I was infatuated by that stuff in those days. And then by the time 1974 rolled around, I heard Bob Marley and then was really fell in love with uh, reggae and uh, authentic, th those roots reggae things. And then it was, uh, you know, Jimmy Cliff and all, all the all the many, many, many different reggae artists that were on the radio coming through. How much of your material has been informed by, by this kind of music? Well, I guess in a way, a lot of it, you know, but I also informed or, uh, or influenced by, by the Beatles uh, a great deal feeling, uh, you know, uh, deeply involved in, in, in their music. By the way, when we lived as the Ox Pedals, we had a little, one of those record players that you know only speakers in the box and you flipped up the top and you put the LP on there and you played it. We had, I think, two records in that house for the longest time. One of them was actually, it was two records in one. It was the White Album of the Beatles and the other one was Eric Satie playing uh, these, um, uh, not, not him playing, but recordings of the music of Eric Satie. So kind of classical, uh, piano, minimalist kind of stuff. So I don't know, you know, so it was radio growing up with R&B and pop pop radio, AM radio. You know, you mentioned, the, influence. you mentioned the Beatles. You also mentioned Ed Sullivan earlier. Did you see the Beatles on Sullivan? Yeah, I did. I got lucky enough to see that. It seems that most musicians that I know of that were around at the time uh, and saw that, what a huge effect it had on them. 
and I mean, it influenced a whole generation of musicians after the Beatles, just seeing that one show. What was that like watching that? Well, it was awesome as much as I can remember. You know, there they were, shaggy-headed and all, doing their thing and having a great time. And of course, you could barely hear them because of the girls in the audience screaming. But they were very likable and interesting. I can't remember what they played. But but did you get that sense of, hey, I want to do that. I should be up to, I could do that. Well, yeah, but I guess I was not, in those days, I was really a folky. So I was playing, or I wasn't even playing that much. I was just playing my guitar in my bedroom. So I was playing Peter, Paul, and Mary and Bob Dylan stuff. Kingston you know, so Trio? I never really did much Kingston Trio, but it was a kind of an in-between those guys and on into Peter, Paul, and Mary and other things, you know, out of uh, picking songs out of Sing Out magazine, you know, Pete Seeger and stuff like that. You know, I'm really anxious to hear one of these island-influenced songs of yours. Do you have something that we can listen to that kind of demonstrates what I'm talking about? I think so, yeah. Uh, so here's a song, you know, I guess uh, island influences in there and woven into a lot of different things. This one, because it's got that little backbeat chop going on in it, it's influenced by reggae. And lots and lots of music was influenced by reggae in all kinds of degrees, even, you know, modern hip-hop, all kinds of things. I actually was influenced a lot by a guy named Boy George. Remember that guy? Sure. Boy George. And I really liked his his style and his sound and his approach. And I wasn't really thinking about, ooh, I'm going to do a Boy George song. But this one came out once I did it in the studio. I don't, you know, I, I somewhere have a, a, a finished recording of it, but it's never been released. But uh, it, when it came out, I went like, that is very Boy George-y there, you know. So anyway, <laughs> but I, I That's probably... That's they called him when he was a little boy. <laughs> boy Georgie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, here he's back out doing some stuff now. But anyway, I just saw a flash somewhere on him. But so anyway, this one's called um, "We Can." Some people say that love is a game.
Sometimes we're hard, sometimes thick or thin. We made it through some crazy times. Our love is true, and it's yours and mine because we said, you know. just hear the seagulls and smell the salt air and <laughs> smell the um, wafting scent of lobster of lobster <laughs> steak on the grill very cool stuff Stephen. you know Thank i'm holding you. a cd in my hand right now a guy by the name of david wegman very interesting it says on the back produced by Stephen Pegg and Benjamin Herndon. Tell me about this. Well, David's an old friend of ours and comes from uh, crossing paths all way back in the 80s, uh, say somewhere around 80, 85, uh, in uh, St. John in the Virgin Islands, where I used to spend, um, I spent 25 winters down there working with and for the Omega Institute. So that's a whole other story. That's a part of my big backstory, too. It's For those people listening around the country that don't live in the, the Hudson Valley, will you explain what the Omega Institute is? Because it's somewhat of a staple of this area. Well, good one uh, for me to try to say that. After all these years, I should know. But I was on the you know founding staff of the Omega Institute that came about... It's quite a long story, worth worth investigating sometime. But the Omega Institute is uh, really a center for holistic studies, is what they would say. You know, the Omega Institute for holistic studies, and the, that means for things for the uh, good for the body, for the the heart and the mind. You know, so it could be some kind of emotional relationships workshop. It could be yoga. Qigong and Tai Chi, uh, could it also be anything having to do with the arts, and it could have to do with things of like mindfulness and, and spiritual things. And fun. I saw in their catalog one time, socialized fun. That was actually a course, and there was a guy wearing a sombrero, and he was an old guy, and they had different activities, things that you could do. One was um, running with an egg on a spoon, I believe was, I don't know why, but apparently that was that was fun. It's fun to do that. And one of the things that it said in the brochure is everybody gets to wear sombreros. It caused me to write a song called Everybody Gets to Wear Sombreros. <laughs> but I thought, wow, what, you get to wear sombreros. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's great. It's worth a lot of that money. That might have been Joe Killian. He has uh, been doing a workshop at Omega for many years, uh, titled, different titles. And one of his main titles is Helping Adults Remember How to Play. And it would be doing things like that. And also learning how to do pratfalls and a little bit of juggling and uh they would raid other classrooms and sneak up on them and you oh, know cool. and, and you correct me if i'm wrong you teach qigong correct yeah i, I teach qigong yeah you, i do 
I have been for many years. At the Institute? I teach there. I teach also locally. I teach in uh, Costa Rica at the at a retreat center there called Blue Spirit and various wellness centers around the country. And uh, yeah, I've been, been doing that for a bunch of years since I was uh, trained uh, actually through teachers that I met at the Omega Institute. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother show. We, we yeah, can, we can spend show. a whole show just talking about Qigong, but this is a music show. So, you know, we do have to get back to the music. I would love to hear some pre-recorded stuff by Stephen Michael Pegg. Do you have, I don't know, something from one of your albums or something that you're proud of that maybe we can listen to uh, what what that sounds like? So uh, this song, Beings of the Sun, is uh, is one of those songs from, oh, that came, uh, a lot of my songs actually take more than just a sit down and write thing. They might just be a fragment of a song, a piece of a song, uh, a whole chord progression, the whole song without words, uh, a piece of a song with words, a verse, or all that. So it comes in lots of different ways. Um, I've never abided by a strict rule of how to do this. But this song, actually, uh, the chord progression, so it's a co-write. The chord progression was taught to me by a friend named Danny Flowers, who's well-known in the Nashville scene uh, for having played with um, uh, around that scene for a while and, and was actually a guitar player for Don Williams for many, many years. And a songwriter. And a songwriter, and a singer-songwriter. So, And he was an original ox pedal, speaking of that whole thing. So back in 1967, Danny Flowers was a member of the ox pedals back during the time when Emmy Lou Harris was around in all those days. But so... Danny, uh, through lots of changes of traveling here and there, we crossed paths a lot. And he uh, sat me down one time and said, showed me uh, this chord progression. I'm like, wow, I love that. Let me learn that. Show that to me again. Show me again until I learned it. And then he went away. Oh, and he had the beginning. And he said, ooh, all my love is burning. And then maybe some more lyrics. And that was it. And he was gone. And I wrote a song to that and called Beings of the Sun, which is this upcoming thing that was, that was, say, 1974, five when he showed me that, and uh, then it did not get recorded until 1979 with this uh, band uh, that I still play with today and bring together called the Winged Heart Band. So recorded in a little basement studio in Brookline, Massachusetts, right out right on the outskirts of Boston. Well, I'd love to hear it. For that only one 
The wind's blowing Dancing through the trees And over the meadow Falling as it blows The windy river flows Is it all flowing Toward the Very nice, Stephen. You know, we played in a band together for a short time, the BHB band or the Benjamin Herndon band, and you played bass and I played guitar. And we were having a rehearsal one night and you showed me something really cool on your phone. It was like electronic music almost. It was it was like taking some ideas and putting them in a washing machine of sound and mixing it up and just getting this unusual beat. And I, I can't even really describe it, but it was very interesting. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was one of those little apps that you just, uh, I don't think I kept it because it was one that needed to be upgraded and you need to pay a subscription to keep it. And uh, I, I don't think I have it, but you could, you know, there's a lot of, lot of, ways to make music now uh people who actually know what they're doing to make music and people who don't know what they're doing can make a lot of music on on the, the internet these days and what exactly are you trying to do are, do you have a presence online are you playing out just to make a little extra money are you trying to get 
your songs out there. Do you have a plan and what's in the future and any more albums? I, I know that's a mouthful, but yeah, what, so what, what does the future hold for good. Well, thank you Michael for, Pegg? Thanks for putting me on the spot <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that one because um, I do I do have a website, uh, stephenmichaelpegg.com. I have two websites. The other one's called waterfallqigong.com and that's spelled with a Q-I-G-O-N-G. So I have two personalities on the internet, which I'm actually actually maybe getting ready to combine, but they're both kind of in development. So uh, you might go and check it out and you'll see a little bit of info there. But I am uh, hoping to, I continue to hope to get my music out. And yes, I play. I love doing local gigs. Uh, Local is important to me, whether I'm teaching uh, movement or, you know, wellness movement like Qigong or whether I'm playing music. So playing farmers markets, playing little pubs and playing with Benjamin's band or be like, I love being a, an assistant in a band, a bass player. Music is wellness too. Music is absolutely wellness. So, you know, uh, what, where would we be? Oh my God, without, without music in our lives. I shudder to think. And w- that being said, I'd like you to take us out with another song, either something you play live or something that we have pre-recorded. Doesn't matter to me. It'll be your choice. But before you do that, I just want to thank you for being here. Stephen, you're a nice guy. You're a great guy to play music with. You got the right temperament for a musician and you got a certain uh, philosophical nature that I really like. And you're a hell of a songwriter. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Rick, thank you so much. It's a joy to be here with you. I enjoy you when we hang out together and I had a good time on the show. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. My pleasure. Let yourself go
Great stuff, Stephen. Thank you again for being here. I hope you come back again sometime and talk with us again. Love to. You've been listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Every week, produced and engineered by Rusty Johnson. Come back next week and see what talented Hudson Valley musician we have sitting in this chair. We'll see you then.